this morning we're going to continue our study. We're in a study called Simply Jesus. We're basically going through the book of Mark and we're looking at Jesus' uh, life through the eyes of Mark as he tells the story. And as we read it, I want you to really think about the story and the scenario, try to visualize it, try to picture uh, what it would have been like to be there in this situation. And as we said from the beginning of this series, there's two things we're looking for. One is who is Jesus? That's what we want to see in these passages. Who is he? What do we learn about Jesus from this passage? Second thing we want to look at as we read through this is once we discover something about Jesus, something unique about him, how does that affect my life? How does that affect the way I think? How does that affect the way I live? So we're looking for those two things in every passage that we study. So we're going to start with this passage, looking at those two questions. Verse 35, it's on the screen. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves break over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern and he was sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down. And there was complete calm. Jesus said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? What a powerful story. It gives us insight to who Jesus is and who Jesus was and who Jesus will be in the future. This is the same Jesus that we talk about. So, as some of you know, those of you are visiting, probably not, but Jan and I uh, have just spent the last 11 years serving as missionaries in the Bahamas. And if you've ever been to the Bahamas or to any of the islands of the Caribbean, you know that we are uh, very affected by weather. And uh, the weather is not always forecast very well. Sometimes you don't really know when a storm is going to roll in. You don't know what things are going to happen. And just in our uh, brief time in the islands, we experienced a lot of hurricanes. Uh, we went through Hurricane Sandy. Uh, we cleaned up on one island after Hurricane Joaquin. We went through Hurricane Dorian. I mean, we had the hurricanes left and right, tropical storms left and right. I mean, that's just part of, of life in the islands when you live in a particular place like that. And we had uh, been serving on a place called Long Island, Bahamas. And it's a beautiful island. If you are one of those people who just wants to go out on an adventure and you want to go four-wheeling and you want to be on a beach by yourself with nobody else there, Long Island is the place for you. I, later, I can tell you where to stay. I can tell you where to eat. I can All that kind of stuff. But uh, So we lived on Long Island. And while we were on Long Island, we ran a youth ministry there. And we had a baseball league. And we, we had youth outreaches and all kinds of stuff. But then uh, while we were there, there was a church plant on another island. And so the, the denomination and some other churches began to say, hey, perhaps you should move to this other island. You could help with the church plant. You could expand the youth ministry. And, and so Jane and I prayed about it. And eventually we decided to make the move. So we move from Long Island. This is important. 
about 230 miles south, north to another island called Abaco. So now we have, we've, we've packed up our stuff. I put it on a boat. I, I've spent 18 hours on a, a freighter to, to get my stuff to this other. So we're living on this other island. Two weeks after we move to the northern island, Hurricane Joaquin hits Long Island. And it literally wipes out sections of the whole community. And so, you know, we had just moved these people here. They have our hearts. We want to do something to help them. So we started talking to our churches that were our sponsored churches. And we said, hey, maybe you guys can help us. And they started sending mission teams. So they started, uh, Lake Forest is, is one of our uh, partner churches that is in Huntersville. They were going to send the mission team to Long Island to come and serve. And we were going to go fix up some of the homes. And Jan and I needed to, and Grace, who, our daughter, uh, needed to go from Abaco to Long Island because the mission team was going to meet us in Long Island. But the problem was this. I didn't plan ahead. Imagine that. And uh, uh, it was a holiday weekend in the Bahamas. And it's so hard to keep track of holidays when you live in another country that have different holidays than you. I mean, you know, they, we celebrate this. And, this. and so there was a holiday weekend and there were no flights available to get from Abaco to Long Island, and the mission team was going to be there the next day. So I'm trying to figure out and scramble, and how are we going to make this work? What's, what's going to happen? Well, there was a guy in our church who lived in Nassau, another island, the third island. And he would come to Abaco every weekend because he loved the people of Abaco. He had a home there. He would come to our church every Sunday, even though he spent Monday through Friday on another island. So it's kind of like having a vacation home, except he had a home on another island. And he had a small uh, Cessna 172. Now, do you guys know anything about flights and planes? They've got some pilots out there. This is, this is a small plane. And I'm pretty sure it was built in the early 1970s. But I knew he was going back to, to Nassau that particular afternoon, and I'm thinking this is the only way that we're going to be able to get Jan and Grace and I from our island to Nassau and then another flight over to Long Island. And so I go up to Mike at the end of the service. I'm like, listen, I'm kind of desperate. I wonder if we can hitch a ride, you know, back this afternoon. And so he's like, yeah, sure, I've got space, no problem. And so, so Jan and Grace and I scramble up, we get our stuff, we, we run up to the airport, and we drive right onto the runway, and we pull up next to his plane. And uh, I'm just going to tell you, I'm, I, I love antique cars. <laughs> I mean, if someday if I ever strike it big, you're going to see me pulling up in a 64 Corvette Stingray. I'm just telling you, that's, I love antique cars. But antique planes... That's like a whole different thing. And so we get there, and this plane, I'm not sure you know, what the deal is. And so Mike says, well, in order to, to not uh, balance the plane, uh, we're going to need for Jan and Grace to climb in the back first. And then, and then he started, we started looking at our luggage and what we were taking, and he starts saying, well, no, you're not going to be able to take that because that's going to be too heavy. You're not gonna be... And we're like, okay. And, and then we get on this plane. And uh, I crawl into the, to the co-pilot seat, and Mike takes off, and, and we just start flying. And about the time, we get about 30 minutes or so to the end of the island, and we're moving over to the open ocean, and, and, and we're flying, you know, from one island to the next island, and I'm looking down, it's just, you know, it's just beautiful, but, but I'm, I'm pretty scared, because I got, I got, like, my girls are in this plane, right? And this is, this, this guy, I mean, I know he flies this every week, but I'm pretty sure he's taking a nap. I really, I honestly... <laughs> 
And I look into the back seat of the plane at my wife because I'm nervous. And you know what I see? Jan is asleep. <laughs> She's taking a nap. I'm like, what? I'm about to freak out. And my wife is, is taking a nap in the back of this plane. And uh, later I asked her about it. I said, yeah, I said, well, how could you sleep at that moment? I was terrified. She says, I just figured we're either going to die or, or we're going to make it. And uh, either way, <laughs> I need to get a nap in. So uh, uh, it was just one of those kind of experiences where, you know, you knew what God wanted you to do. And then, but at the same time, it's like, how do we do it? And then, and we had to take a risk. And the one thing I want to say to you this morning is this, is following Jesus if you really want to go all in, if you really want to follow Jesus, it's risky business. It's not always the safest option to follow Jesus. You see, Jesus is going to lead us in certain directions. If we're really going to follow Jesus, uh, that you're going to have to go where he leads you. And sometimes Jesus is not going to lead you to the safest option. Sometimes when it comes to deciding whether you're going to do God's will or not do God's will, it's not always choosing safe. The problem is this, is I think uh, some people, we've put safety and comfort as our main desire in life. And that's what we pursue. We always pursue the safe option. We always pursue the less risky option. We always try to eliminate the risk in our lives. And I'm just trying to tell you guys, when it comes to following Jesus, if you want to look at what happens in the Bible, following Jesus is not always the safest option. It's risky business. But some people, they just want to protect themselves at all costs. They guard their lives. They guard their stuff. They store up their money, and they guard their hearts. And the problem is this, is that when you live this way every day, when you're always living this way, and you're guarding yourself, and you're staying protected, and you're, not, you're eliminating risk, and you're not following, you know, out, stepping out in faith, what happens to you is you begin to get suspicious of everybody else. You, get, you begin to think that maybe somebody is trying to, to take from you, or someone is, is, and you begin to live this life of being a hermit, and I've got to be honest with you, the pandemic did not help with this. I mean, here we are when we were going through this whole experience together. You have the, the medical professionals are coming out. The government is coming out. The media is coming out. And they're all saying that anybody could be carrying this microscopic virus that you can't see. And they could give it to you. And then you could get really sick or maybe one of your loved ones could die. And it started creating this paranoia inside all of us. It began messing with our psyche and, and it began to, to, to play on some of our most uh, destructive instincts to not trust anybody. It caused us to retreat back, to, to just protect our own, to focus on ourselves. And let's be honest, I mean, some of that uncertainty, it was, it was the right thing to do at the right time. It was, there was a season for that, Right? But the problem is a lot of us, we haven't gotten out of it yet. We're still living in that kind of mentality of I've got to protect my own. I've got to keep myself safe. I've got, I've got to, you know, I can't, I've got to protect my money. I've got to protect my family. Got, I, and it stopped us from going out and loving people and risking 
and being adventuresome and, and to, from reaching out has caused us to focus on ourselves so much that we have missed out that Jesus is calling us to live beyond ourselves. Jesus is calling us to be risky. What did Jesus say at the beginning of this passage? He said, let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side. Let's get in the boat, let's go to the other side. Well, some of us might say, well, hey, you know, Jesus, I kind of like it here. I've got a nice house. I've got a nice way of living. I mean, I go to work, I come home, we have a nice meal, we watch some TV. I mean, this, I like it here, Jesus. And then Jesus comes back to us. He says this, do you want to follow me? Do you want to follow me? Because I'm going to get in the boat and I'm going to go to the other side. And then maybe we might say to ourselves, well, you know, in the story, it's evening. It's getting dark, Jesus. You know, I'm not real comfortable being in a boat in the dark. Uh, You know, and it's it's evening this time of year. You know, sometimes the storms, this is the time of year where the storms roll in in the afternoons. I mean, uh, Jesus, why are we going to the other side? Anyway, what's wrong with here? Why can't we just minister here? Why do we got to go to the other side? And Jesus says, let's get in the boat. I'm going to the other side. This is where the the story gets interesting. You know, I wonder if the disciples, if they had known the future, would they still have gotten in the boat? Like, if they had known what was about to happen, uh, would they still have followed Jesus and gotten into the boat? You imagine Jesus had come to him and he had said this, and you have to you have to read Mark five to get part of this. But he said this. He said, "All right, look, we're going to get in the boat. We're going to go to the other side. About halfway across, there's this going to be this furious storm that rolls through. It's it's going to be like crazy wind, crazy waves. There's going to be water splashing into the boat. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna wonder if we're going to drown. Uh, but then but then right before it starts to sink, we're going to survive. We're going to make it through." And then, uh, after we survive the storm, we're going to get to the other side. And in Mark chapter 5, we're, you know, you're going to see what happens. We're going to get over there. And then we're going to encounter this uh, insane person who has like a legion of demons inside of him. And uh, all the townspeople are scared to death of him. They try to chain him up, but he has superhuman strength. And he breaks the chains. And, and he's running around in the graveyard. And he's screaming crazy stuff. And then, and then uh, we're going to cast the demons out of this guy. They're they're going to fly over into the pigs and the pigs are going to run off the cliff and they're going to drown in the water and then all the townspeople are going to be mad at us because we killed their livelihood and they're going to chase us out of town and Jesus says, isn't it going to be awesome? (laughs) Do you think the disciples would have gotten in the boat? Can you imagine yourself going to the whole scenario? Jesus, he tells you all this stuff that's getting ready to happen. And, and you're like, well, you know, hey, Jesus, um, dude, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, you know, it's probably going to be fun, but, you know, I, I probably ought to get home. Um, somebody's got to walk the dog. I'm, I'm expecting a package from Amazon. I don't want the box to stay outside too long. Uh, I taped the Panthers game. You know, I got stuff to do, Jesus. Why don't, when you get back to my side of the lake, why don't we hang out? We'll go get some coffee or something. That'd be a better option. 
<laughs> you see, if you make safety and comfort and predictability your goal, sometimes you're going to have a hard time following Jesus. If you want to be someone who controls every circumstance in your life, that controls everything that's going to happen, if you want to be able to predict your five-year plan to the T, there's going to be sometimes you're going to have a hard time trusting Jesus with your future. Now, this is the thing we've learned. Whether you follow Jesus or not, the future is unpredictable. I mean, you literally you have no idea what is going to happen. We don't know when the market's going to take a turn. We don't know when war's going to break out in Israel. We don't know when uh, there's going to be a fire or there's going to be a storm or there's going to be a tornado. You don't know when you're going to get a health concern, something that changes the, the whole next year of your life. You don't know when those things are going to happen. You know, let's be honest, sometimes you probably don't want to know what's going to happen to you next year. You probably don't want to know what the next two to three years might have in store for you. Because if you knew that right now, do you imagine how much anxiety you would be feeling? Do you imagine how, how you would be feeling in this moment if you knew that these things were going to happen to you? There's going to be times you don't want to know what the future is, whether you follow Jesus or not. But Jesus says this. He says, you don't know the future, but you know me. And when Jesus says, hey, we're going to get in the boat, we're going to go to the other side, he's basically saying, can you trust me with your future? If I tell you this is where we're going, or if I kind of lead you in this direction, if I ask you to invest in this, or to be this, or to, to move forward in this, can you trust me as I carry you into the future? Because you see, Jesus does know the future. There's risk involved. And comfort and safety is not God's ultimate goal for your life. Jesus has called us to live beyond ourselves, to take a chance on him. That's why it's called faith. Do we have the faith to trust Jesus? And as we see in this story, Jesus is getting in the boat and he's going to the other side. The question is this, do we want to go with him? Do we want to go where Jesus is leading Look at verse 35. We'll see what happens. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were other boats with him, and a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, if you know a little bit about Jesus' disciples, four of them are professional fishermen. Four of the twelve make a living by getting in boats and fishing. So I got to go fishing with some guys in the Bahamas a lot. I know I talk about the Bahamas. You guys are like, I'm tired of hearing that. But anyway, but it was, it was, there were some nice moments when we were there. A couple of guys in my church would take me out fishing. We would go deep sea fishing with these guys, and we would catch you know, mahi and wahoo. I mean, it was, it was really cool. But these guys, were that's what they're living. That's how they made their living. So I was actually going to help them do their job, which was kind of, kind of also fun to be able to, to help them with that. But I've been on a, a small boat with 15-foot swells. I mean, we're talking about you know, just whoo, 
coming up and coming back down. And, and I look over at, at uh, the guy that I'm fishing with who's a professional fisherman. He's as calm as a cucumber. You know what I'm doing? I'm tossing the cookies. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm over the edge, man. I'm like, oh, you know. But he's just as calm as a cucumber. But can you imagine how bad the storm must have been for four of Jesus' disciples to still be freaking out? I mean, these guys are used to being on the water, and here they are. The waves must have really been rolling in. There must have been something about the storm that really pushed the limits. The situation was desperate. And where was Jesus? He was asleep. <laughs> Verse 38, and Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on the cushions. Now, one of the things we, we, we don't talk a whole lot about, but Jesus was, we talk about him being fully God, and we talk about him being fully man. He was, he was this one cosmic event. This has never happened before in the history of the universe. It probably will never happen again. But Jesus was fully God. He was fully man. So he, so he had a divine nature to him that, that, that we can't completely understand. But he also had a human nature. And the guy was worn out. He'd been doing ministry. He'd been, doing, he'd been teaching. He'd been, all these things had been going on. He'd been healing people. He was just worn out. And so there he is. He's sleeping sleeping in the boat. Even in the midst of the storm and the waves, caution, and Jesus was, was asleep. So the disciples, they go and they get Jesus. I guess they were like, you know, I don't know what he, but we need an extra hand up here to help. And so they get Jesus and they said, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? Like you're asleep? Like you don't know what's going on? Jesus, you don't care that the boat's going down because that's what's happening. We're going down. And he, they said, don't you care if we drown? You know, this happened a few thousand years ago, but people have not changed that much. I mean, something hits you really hard in your life. Life throws a curveball at you. You get a punch in the gut. A furious storm creates panic in your life. Whatever it is, it could be a financial storm, it could be a personal storm, it could be a health storm, it could be whatever, whatever storm, I mean, it comes at you and it just hits you. And the first thing that we say, we're just like the disciples. God, don't you care? God, don't you care about me? I mean, look at what's going on. Do you know what's going on in my life, God, right now? Do you care about me at all? This is what I wonder about. What is it about challenging situations and storms and circumstances that makes us question and doubt that God loves us? Why is that the first thing we do? Like we're going through the middle of something and the first thing we do is like, God, why did you let this happen to me? Don't you even care about me at all? I'm drowning. I think somehow maybe we've bought this idea that's a complete lie. I think we've just, just bought into this lie. The lie is this, that if God really loved us, that he would make our lives so much easier. That's a lie. Like if God really loved us, that, he would, that, that if he loved me, then he would just sort of give me, you know, easy 
uh, things in my life to do, and he would take away all the, the stress and the, and the drama and the, and the difficulty. You know, if God loved me, then he would, he would fix all this stuff. I mean, isn't that the, what popular Christianity teaches, right? I mean, like, we go to church a few times. I mean, you know, uh, we uh, uh, put some money in the plate when we say our prayers, and then God just fixes our problems, That is so naive to think that's the way things operate. Remember the beginning of the story? Who was it that told the disciples to get into the boat? It was Jesus. Jesus actually led them into this situation. Do, do you follow that? Like he says, he says, who was it? He said, let's go. Sometimes... Jesus is going to lead you into the storm, not away from it. And in this storm, the disciples are going to learn something about Jesus. Something about who he is, something about his character, something about his ability. They're going to learn something about Jesus that they could not have learned any other way than to go through the storm. If they had stayed on the shore, if they had stayed on the other side, they never would have gotten to see Jesus in this very unique way that they're going to see him. Sometimes if you want to grow as a person, you're going to have to face the storm. Sometimes if you want to grow in your faith, you want, to, you want your faith to grow, you're going to have to face the storm. Sometimes if you want to know Jesus in a deeper way, you've got to go into the storm, not run from it. Look what happens next in verse 39. Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. Do you have a mental picture of this? I'd like for you to try to get a mental picture of this. Here, here are the disciples. They're in a boat. Jesus is in a boat. The, I mean, the wind is pushing. The boat is rocking. The waves are crashing. Jesus gets up. He says, quiet, be still. And then it goes dead calm. I mean, we're talking about not even like a ripple in the water. The boat's no longer rocking. These people, were, 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 they're like, what just happened? Jesus said, hush down. Calm down. And it stopped. I, I don't know how you would have felt in that particular circumstance or that particular situation. Here we are, Jesus, the author of creation. He was, he was, he was there in Genesis, Genesis and when, when this whole thing was, was formed, he, he spoke the universe into existence. I don't know the science of it. I'm sure there was lots of science to it. Why would we have all these science books if there wasn't science to it? There's a lot of science to it. But somehow, his ability to speak things into existence and then the science happened. 
And somehow all that form, the gases and the, everything, the explosions and, the, and whatever took place, Jesus spoke it and boom, it happened. He spoke the universe into existence. And the wind and the waves, they still know his voice. They still recognize his voice. Creation still recognizes the voice of Jesus. And when he says, be still, creation listens to him. If only we were so obedient that when we heard Jesus speak, we would just do the same thing. When Jesus says, peace be still with us, we could just experience that kind of calm. I wonder where you are this morning. I mean, I, don't, I mean, I know that you are here. And there's some people that are watching online. I don't know where you are. Maybe you're watching on your phone or uh, somewhere in TV, computer. I'm not really thinking about your physical location, but I want to know where you are in your personal life right now. I wonder if there are some folks here who are, you guys are really going through a storm. Not a physical storm, a metaphorical storm. I mean, you're, you're getting it on all sides. Things have been tough for you. Things have been hard for you. This is, this is one of those seasons of life that you're just feeling it. And it's a little overwhelming. Maybe you could identify with the disciples that are in that boat. And it's just life, you don't know which way to go. You're losing sight of shore. You don't know which direction to take. And it's just coming at you right now. Maybe that's the season that you're in. I want to ask you, do you need Jesus to speak to the seas? and the wind and the waves in your life today? Do you need Jesus to bring peace to your storm? One thing about Jesus when he speaks is um, creation listens. Sometimes Jesus will stop the storms. Sometimes he'll stop the things that are happening outside of your life. But Jesus will always, always calm the storms inside your heart. Sometimes he changes your circumstances, but let me be honest with you, he will always change what's going on inside of you. And maybe today uh, he's not going to fix that thing that you want him to fix. He's not going to change that situation or he's not going to give you that job tomorrow morning. Maybe you need that, that peace and that calm and the stillness that he can bring to your heart. Because when you have that peace and that stillness that, that Jesus can bring to your heart, you can handle the outside storms. If you can remain calm and you can remain focused on the, your faith and you can focus on Jesus' love for you and his direction for you, that, that what's going on in here can help you deal better with what's going on out there. So whether he fixes the outside storm or he fixes the inside storm, Jesus wants to speak to your heart. All right, let's move on. Verse 40. And Jesus says to his disciples, he says this, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Afraid. The word he uses here is, is a Greek word, delios, which means cowardly, fearful, timid. Why are you so timid? Why are you so cowardly in this moment? Here's an important formula that I think Jesus gives us here. He, he links fear and faith. 
He links the two. He links that, why are you so afraid? Why do you have no faith? He's linking fear and faith. Here's the formula. As your fear level rises, many times our faith levels drop. But as our faith levels rise, what happens? Our fear levels drop. You see, there's this deep connection between our fear and our faith. And when we're in the midst of fearful situations, when we're in the midst of something that's scary, something that's intimidating, I want to encourage you to do this. Focus on your faith. Focus on the object of your faith. Focus on Jesus. Instead of immediately going into panic mode, freakout mode, focus on Jesus so that your faith can grow and your fear can diminish. Important part of life. When you get in those situations, look to Jesus. And then verse 40, look, he says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Look at verse 41. They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Now, what's so amazing about the Bible? I mean, i got to be honest with you. I probably read this story when I was 16 or 17. I was just kind of coming to faith, and, and I, I like to read through some scriptures. And I, I probably read this story at 16. I know I studied it in college. I know that I have studied this passage. I, was, I probably have read this, I don't know, 100 times or more. This particular passage. I have never seen this that God taught me this week before. Usually when I read this story, I see Jesus speaking to his disciples and he says to them, he says, hey, why were you so afraid? And, and I'm like, well, yeah, he's obviously kind of, uh, you know, coming down on them because they were freaking out in the storm, right? He, he's like, Jesus, he's like, why are you so afraid? We're in the storm. Why, why did you get afraid in the storm? Uh, you know, I was in the boat. And man, that preach, that preach is good. I'm telling you, I've, I've preached it before. I've heard other people preach it. You know, this, is, this is how it would go. When Jesus <laughs> is in the boat, you don't need to be afraid because you will get to the other side. I'm just telling you, it really preaches, doesn't it? If Jesus is in your boat, don't you worry. I mean, that, that's how I would do it. I started looking at this verse. And Jesus said this, he said, why are you so afraid? Jesus did not say, why were you so afraid? Jesus said, why are you so afraid? Literally, why are you in this moment afraid? Why are you terrified in this moment? Why are you cowardly in this moment? Why are you fearful in this moment? And then you look at verse 41, it tells you. It says they were terrified by what they just saw. They said, who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. You see, at the beginning of Mark 4, the disciples called Jesus teacher, but now they have no idea what to call him. They, at the beginning of the passage, they were afraid of the storm. Now they're terrified of Jesus. 
He speaks to the weather and it listens to him. The disciples have to be thinking, you know, if you go through the book of Mark, we're only in chapter 4, by the way. But so far, these disciples, they start off, they think Jesus is a great leader. Maybe this guy's a great leader. Maybe he's going to lead our nation. Maybe he's going to be the Messiah. Maybe you know, he's a great leader. And guess what? Jesus is a great leader. And then the, the next step, they, they see that, well, he's a good teacher. He says things that have great wisdom, and, and we can learn from him. And, and so yeah, Jesus is a great teacher. And yes, he was, he was a great teacher. And then I think they started thinking, well, you know, maybe he's more than a teacher, more than a rabbi. Maybe he's one of God's prophets. And so, so they had to learn that he was, he was a prophet. He said, yeah, he's definitely he's like a prophet. He's, he's definitely a prophet. And then they see him heal people. They see this, this paralyzed guy be, be brought down through the ceiling and then, and then Jesus heals him and he gets up and he walks out. and do, He's obviously more than a prophet. He's more than a teacher. He's more than a leader. And now he is speaking to the universe and it is obeying him. So yeah, they're a little freaked out. They're terrified. Because Jesus is so much bigger so more awesome. Has so much more authority than they could have ever possibly imagined. Their minds are completely blown. Who is this guy? You see what Jesus is doing? Jesus is stretching their faith. Every story we've read through the book of Mark so far up to this point has been a new revelation of who Jesus is. Every time we, we encounter him in a new situation, you get to see him in a new light. You get to see him do something that he's never done before, something that you didn't think was possible before. And look at him in this situation. He has completely expanded their view of who he is. So to such to the point, they're absolutely terrified by him. So the question I have for us this morning is this, is where does our vision of Jesus need to be stretched? Where do we need to see Jesus differently in light of what we've just learned about him? If this stuff is real, and we go out of here and we just go back to living normal life like we've always lived before, and it doesn't affect us, it doesn't affect the way we think or how we live or the, our fear factor in our lives. If it doesn't affect the, the, what we believe and what we trust, if it doesn't affect us, then, then what's going on here? I think we've been seeing Jesus as very small. I think we've underestimated him. I think we've underestimated what Jesus could do in our lives. I think we've underestimated what Jesus could do in our lives and through our lives. I mean, we've seen Jesus as a good man. We've seen him as a teacher. I mean, his words, they have good advice. Some morals. He's given us good morals. You should listen to him. You know, Christianity, that's, it's a good religion. And, and if I were to really follow this, I'd probably be a better person, Right? Are you kidding me? That's not what Jesus is about here. He is the Lord of the universe. And he's calling us to follow him. He wants to totally blow your vision of him so that you could trust him and you could see him who he really is. And then whatever storms we face, I don't know why we go through them. 
I don't know why we have to go through them. I've got to be honest with you, I've, we've, the past two weeks I've been dealing with uh, a family, and, and, and uh, man, they're just going through a serious storm in their life. And I, I sat down with them at their kitchen table, and I, I could not tell them why God was allowing this to happen to them. I said, I don't think you're going to get any good answers. But this is either going to make or break your faith. Either this situation that you're going through right now, it's either going to push you to trust Jesus and to, to know him, or it's going to push you away from him. But you, but you guys are going to have to make that decision. And that's where we're at with Jesus in this situation. He wants to stretch our faith. He, whatever your circumstance is, I can't explain the whys of your circumstance, but I can give you one hint is this. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing, whatever life you've had to this point so far, God's about one thing, and that is to stretch your faith so that you can believe in him, so that you can trust in him, and so that you might actually come to understand that he loves you unconditionally. Jesus is working to blow your mind expand your vision so that you would know without a doubt that you are loved by God and that he can do anything every experience in your life if you can allow it will be an opportunity to expand your vision of God deepen your faith and learn to trust his love for you Jesus is saying let's get in the boat I'm going to the other side. Are you in? Or are you out? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we pray that you would uh, do your thing. <laughs> right now, I honestly believe, Lord, that your spirit is here and your spirit is, is speaking to so many people in this room at the same time. And you can do that because you're God. You're not limited like we are. So I, I pray in this moment, as, as, as many people in this room right now are having a conversation with you, that they would do some, some honest stuff. And maybe in, in the situation that they're in right now, maybe the storms they're going through, their most honest prayer might be, God, do you even care? And it's okay to pray that prayer. Because, Lord, I know that you're going to answer that prayer. You're going to show us that you do care for us. You're going to show us that you're not asleep, that you are alive and that you are present and that you are real and that you can do so much more than we ever possibly imagined that you could do. Stretch our faith. Grow our vision of you. It's in Jesus' name.